Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hey everyone, welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I have a very, very special guest for you today. And you're going to be extremely blessed, I promise you. And we would love for you to call in. You're going to have some comments, I guarantee you, after today's show, and hopefully some questions. And so this is a live call-in interactive show, and we welcome those calls. The number is 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. I've got a few announcements to make and some upcoming events that I know are going to be a blessing to you, and then we'll get to our special guest today that's going to be a blessing. First of all, we have the Stan, uh, the Stan Foundation and the Called Church Service 2024 on January the 27th, and that's with our beloved brother, the Bishop E.W. Jackson, and Andrew will be speaking at this conference as well. Many of you don't know that E.W. ran for president this, this uh, cycle and uh, was basically, as we suspected, ignored by the national media. But boy, did he learn a lot, and he'll have a lot to say, say at this Stand Foundation and Called Church Service. Again, it's January the 27th. It's at 700 Conference Central Drive, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23320, United States. Again, I know you'll be blessed with that. You need to register for that, and you can register at StandAmerica.us. StandAmerica.us. Now, I got a very special announcement that Flashpoint is coming to Karis Bible College. <laughs> Amen. I'm excited. I'm, I'm disappointed that I can't physically be here for that, but Flashpoint is going to do their broadcast live right out of Karis Bible College, and that's February the 8th. And the 9th, February 8th and the 9th, Flashpoint will be here, and I know you will be, you will be blessed. You can register for that or be prepared at awmi.net events. Also want to remind you about our website and our, our resources that are available to equip you. We just started the election cycle, and oh, the cycle battle has already started. The voice of the dragon is roaring already in the media out of Revelation 13, 11. And so you need to get information. You need to make quality decisions based on some type of facts and truth. And right here at Truth and Liberty, our website, we have a lot of resources and these have been vetted and you can get news, what's really going on and what's really happening. So visit our website truthandliberty.net and go to the resource where you can find all of the news. We update that news every uh, 15 minutes, I believe it is, it gets updated. So you'll get the current events. Also, all broadcasts are archived and you can go back and watch them on demand. And this one today, you're going to want to do that. Let me quickly introduce, I'm excited. Uh, he's becoming a good friend. He's, he's probably just a friend now, uh, but I'm honored to call him my friend. Uh, and he's a very special person already in my life and Sue's life. 
But I have Alex McFarland with me today as my guest, and I am super excited. Amen. Thank you for being with me, Alex. Well, Dwayne, what a great honor. Man, I just love and appreciate you, and it's a privilege to be together tonight on Truth and Liberty. Yeah, it's a little different when you're the host and now you're the guest. It's kind of hard when you're the host to really talk about yourself, yeah. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some things out of you today in <laughs> questions. And you better get that number because you're going to want to call. Alex is, is just amazing. And I've been processing what is it about him that the, the minute I met him, I just felt bonded to him. Uh, and then I got to know him and we got to talking. And uh, he's such a, a, I mean, storehouse of experience in God, of ministry. I'm going to do something I haven't done when I've had a guest. I'm going to have to read this whole bio because I um, think it's important. There's things in here I didn't know about Alex. Yeah, we don't uh, want to put people to sleep. No, this will not put you to sleep. You know, God has given us people, Alex, and I know I, I feel the same way when, when people do that to me. Uh, and I think that is a part of a, a, a pure heart. On the other hand, people need to know this blessed me reading this today. Uh, of things that God has done in your life. And it also helped explain why have I bonded to you so mm. e easily and quickly. But let me just go through this. Uh, Alex McFarlane is a Christian apologist. Now, it wasn't too many years ago, I didn't know what an apologist was. Mm. <laughs> so I'm impressed. He's a Christian apologist, author, evangelist, religious and cultural analyst. Now, how many people can say that? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and culture analyst. That's what's wrong in our country right now is we don't have enough men of God, women of God that can analyze, can process, can make sense of what is going on in all this foolishness. And I admire you for that. Anyway, an analyst and advocate for biblical truth. Alex speaks worldwide. He has preached in over 2,200 churches throughout North America and numerous more internationally. He's also, he also speaks at Christian events, conferences, debates, that was, uh, I got to keep stopping. Uh, the first time I met you, we talked about you going onto these college campuses mm -hmm. that are Sebastian's for uh, deception now. And, and, and again, I keep going back because I've been teaching our audience the, the voice of the dragon and, mm -hmm. and, and be able to debate to intellectually and spiritually counter some of this foolishness. And you do that on a regular basis. Some of us would not go on those colleges camp, college campuses. You know, it's, it's really fun. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've been at so many colleges debating and I've literally had people scream at me. One of my first debate, Pastor Duane, uh, was at a Methodist university way back east. And I was asked about homosexuality. This was like 20 years ago. Literally, people were, there were two microphones down there for Q&A, and I was on the stage with a lot of people, and I, I, I never try to do this, but instantly, everybody's wanting to talk to me, the other panelists, because I was the only one that I was not only giving the Word of God, but talking about, um, you know, what mental health professionals say. People were coming to the mic, literally screaming at me, yeah. and just peace comes over me. Yeah. The more riled up an audience gets, I just feel the peace of God. Isn't that? <laughs> I just love it. I just respect you. I, I don't know if we'll get to it today. Uh, is there, could you think about maybe you, you shared a story about Bill Maher and the Bill Maher show one time. Yeah. Uh, think about that as I read this, yeah. this beautiful, beautiful bio here. So he goes onto the college campuses and debates, which is cool, and other venues to teach Bible, bi biblical truths and preach the gospel. Alex is co-host of Explore the Word 
on the American Family Network, airing daily on nearly 200 stations across the country. And that's where I first heard Alex was on that network. He is a frequent, now listen, he's a frequent guest on Fox News and has been interviewed by other media outlets, including Fox and Friends, Alan Combs Show, I remember that, that was a while back. Yeah. Uh, the Strategy Room, Bill Graham's, Billy Graham's uh, Decision Radio Broadcast, Focus on the Family Radio, NPR, um, All Things Considered, the New York Times, oh, I can't imagine the New York Times mm-hmm. interviewing me. I, I, what would I have to say that wouldn't cause their hair to catch on fire? That's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> the Washington Post, yeah. uh, Chuck Carlson, Breakpoint Broadcast, BBC, CBN, Bible, Bible Broadcast Network, uh, a network in France, the news outlets including CBS, Fox, NBC, uh, C-SPAN, uh, CRN, Associated Press, AP. Oh my God, AP is just uh, messed up. Uh, Wire mm-hmm. Service. Uh, he's a contributor, uh, a contributing writer at, uh, in print and electronic media, including the LA Times, Boston Herald. Uh, is it OK Celebrate News Magazine? Okay. Uh, the OK, the Celebrity News Magazine. The, the, I thought it wasn't right. The yeah. Celebrity News Magazine, Christianity Today, yeah. uh, Charisma. I used to make jokes about if I ever got on Charisma Magazine, I would feel like I arrived. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've never been on, so I haven't arrived. So Great people. <laughs> they are. Uh, on Mission, Billy Graham's Decision Magazine, and more. Now here's some good things. Alex is the only, listen to this, this is incredible. Alex is the only evangelist to have preached in all 50 states in 50 days. We did, that's true. His truth, his uh, tour of truth. Yeah, I did. heard about that, yeah. his tour of truth crusade. It swept across America with 65 evangelistic services from which came many decisions to receive Jesus and by which many Christians were equipped and encouraged. Uh, it, it just goes on. I'm, I'm losing time. We're not even going to have time for our first segment if I don't quit. Uh, that's only half of what's on here. The point is, I, I just admire you. I, I respect you. I know what it takes uh, to have longevity in ministry and to stay sane. A lot of ministers, uh, they're not sane anymore either. Uh, to remain true to the Word and loyal to Jesus, and you've done that for decades. It's so the thanks Lord. for being here. Well, to God be the glory. Here's a verse, Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, give glory, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for the sake of the truth. Amen. And, and that's what we do uh, for His glory and because it is true. Amen. I, and I think that's one of the reasons that Andrew Womack and I have become such close friends, and I know you and great people like Richard Harrison, Mark Cowart, and uh, E.W. Jackson that you mentioned. We know the Bible is truth. Amen. It is the Word of God. And, but I, I have to say this, I would be remiss, uh, and we've been busy for Jesus, but it's Angie, my wife. Dwayne, I, people tolerate me, <laughs> but they love Angie. And, and I have got, and I want us to get acquainted, but um, yeah. if, if we've got any points on the scoreboard, 99% of the credit goes to my wife, Angie. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yes, Andrew and I have such a good friendship in the sense of uh, similar uh, events in our lives, how we approach the gospel, uh, likes and dislikes, uh, amazing. 
and here, here I meet you and, and I have this bond and I find out your wife led you to the Lord yeah. and, and, and God was gracious enough and merciful enough to you and, and demanding of her enough probably to let her marry you. Sue is the one that led me back to Christ. And six months later, I marry Sue. Amen. Uh, and have not only been married 43 years, I've been happily married. Amen. So our wives are everything. We, we, we love our wives. Um, you know, I, ha I halfway believe Angie's going to walk through the pearly gates and Jesus is going to say, come here. I mean, I'm sorry I did that to you, but <laughs> he needed you, you know. <laughs> but. Oh, praise God. Hey, before we get into some questions that, that I have, let me give the phone, the phone number again because you're going to want to call in. Uh, 719-619-2341. That's our, our, our line. You can call in and either make comments in our next sec segments or ask your questions. Uh, while I was teaching my class today hmm. uh, on divine guidance and being Amen. led by the Lord, uh, The Blaze put out an article uh, and it reads as, as such here. Uh, Feds ask financial institutions to flag Bible purchases and terms like mega and Trump to identify extremist reports. Wow. I've, mm. been, I've been warning the body of Christ, even over this Trump issue and the hatred for Trump and the, the, the persecution of Trump and now the prosecution of Trump, that this isn't about Trump, that mm. we've got to wake up. Trump is just standing between them and us and that the real threat to communism, true fascism, uh, Marxism uh, is the church, the truth. That's why in every communist country they 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 ban the Bible. Yeah. And it's like we have Christians that aren't awake, that are voting for people that are going to take their Bibles away from them. Yeah. And 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 we just need we we need we need an awakening. Yeah, we do. What, what's God saying to you? And how do you feel about that? What's your thoughts on that kind of an article? Well. Um, <laughs> It's, it's very troubling because, as you know, the founders of the country based what they were doing, what sometimes called the Great American Experiment, on the Word of God. And all of the human rights, the idea of God's providence, the idea that all people are equal because we're made in the image of God, and because we're made in God's image, all human beings have worth and value and dignity. Mm. And Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration, he wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now he used the masculine pronoun in the generic sense. People, humans are guaranteed the right to life. This Bible that they want to flag and ban is the foundation of our, our nation. And so uh, it, it's very sad. I mean, like people need to be re-educated, but we, we Christians are not the enemy. Honestly, we are the salt and light and the solution to our nation's problems, not the problem itself. Yeah. And that, yet I hear the terminology morphing already uh, and, and dragging even the Christian faith into extremism into a threat to democracy. And I mean, on and on we can go. And I, I, I get nervous even talking about the negative side. I get uncomfortable even about it. But it has to be exposed. And good people have to wake up and begin to come back to God. Or yeah. we're going to lose more than our country. See, the issue people talk about, well, we're going to lose our country. It's no big deal. We still got Jesus. I don't think people know what it means to lose our country, what that means to the world and what it means to our, our basic freedoms, our basic 
our basic interactions. You said something to me, and I'd like you to elaborate, how that Christianity isn't just, unlike liberalism is just for the liberals, mm. <laughs> uh, Christianity isn't just for Christians. Right. It's, it's to the benefit of the non-Christians that yeah. we be a Christian nation based on Judeo-Christian principles. Could you elaborate? Oh, well, yeah. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, everywhere the gospel goes, everywhere lives are changed by Jesus, everybody benefits. I mean, um, it, it, when a culture becomes more moral and righteous, when men are true to their families, when men provide for their children, when, when people give their employer an honest day's work, prosperity increases and uh, poverty and indigence decreases, that's just better for everybody. You know, and I, I've said to many an atheist and commentators, um, I was on a show with John Stossel not long ago go in New York City and he was talking about you know being an atheist and uh, I was saying look whether you believe in Jesus or not isn't it in everyone's best interest when people live morally obey the law keep their word <laughs> you, you know that's what Proverbs 14:34 says righteousness exalts a nation Amen. but sin is a reproach to any people or a degradation so you know all of these people that are woke i mean call it what you will leftist woke socialist this christianity that they want to eradicate is actually the glue that holds our prosperous nation together Amen. Holds our families together. Yeah. Has uh, holds uh, c civilization. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the the Western civilization is literally under assault yeah. and under attack. And if we do not embrace our Judeo-Christian principles, moral absolutes, the Word of God, uh, then then society doesn't just collapse, chaos begins to break out. Yeah. And, and the consequences of that, it, it's like we have a generation that has no concept of the, of the consequences of a government, for instance, yeah. communism, a government without God. Oh, I mean, I mean it, the you, millions of lives look at that have died. The former USSR, look at North Korea, look at Cuba. My goodness, wherever Marxism and by the way, Marxism is communism light, yeah. L-I-T-E, it, it comes in. Uh, wherever socialism, Marxism, communism goes, there's a high body count. Yeah. Um, right now, two forces are arm wrestling for the future of America. One is statism or socialism. The other is Sharia. Mm. Uh, neither one of those uh, will end well. Uh, there is one force and one force only sufficient to hold at bay the iron fist of socialism, the iron sword of Sharia, and that is Christianity. Wow. Wow. Uh, could you elaborate a little more? You got my interest even up more. Now, you're saying, in, in, now I would have said that maybe or agreed instantly with it being a worldwide conflict, but you said it in the context of America. Yeah, yeah. So is Sharia, uh, elaborate on that. How, how do you see that in our country? Are, well, you seeing, are you seeing a political movement towards Sharia law? Let, let me say this. Um, 
I've got a couple of friends. One is David Wood. He um, uh, is a graduate of Marquette University, brilliant, brilliant thinker. He's all on social media, Dr. David Wood. And then in heaven is a former Muslim named Nabil Qureshi. Now, Nabil came to America, did a medical degree, was going to be a doctor. He was a devout Muslim. Now, listen to this. People find this hard to believe, but this is true. I, I, I knew Nabil. Um, we spoke together at conferences. David Wood led Nabil Qureshi to Christ. All right, there's a big Islamic festival in Dearborn, Michigan, and they, they went up there. Uh, and Nabil, obviously Arabic, but a born, he became a born-again believer, brilliant. So they're up there, and a lot of people don't know this, but the majority of the police force, and in fact the police chief himself, were, or are rather, Muslim in Dearborn, Michigan. So they're at this Islamic street festival on a public sidewalk. Now, people might forget that we have a little thing in America called freedom of expression on public sidewalks. So they were talking, and a Muslim person uh, asked Nabil, um, what is Christianity? Um, you believe in the Virgin Mary, right? And he was like, well, a whole lot more than that. Um, so he's reaching in his pocket to get his New Testament. A Muslim person asked, so this is what we call communication by permission. Well, as Nabil pulled out his New Testament to respond to a young lady's question, uh, a policeman beat him to the ground with a billy club. Dr. David Wood and Nabil were locked up for like two or three nights, did not have due process. They had to defend themselves. Now, Nabil got cancer and died just a couple of years ago, but I'm telling you, uh, that here in America, I think in Indiana, Tyson Chicken has a chicken processing plant, and a lot of people that work there are Islamic. So they've had to implement Sharia uh, protocols. Uh, when there's Ramadan, they have to close down and honor things like that. Look, I'm not wanting to take away anybody's rights, but I'm not wanting to give people more rights. And take away our rights. Exactly, that exactly. we have established as a nation that our freedoms and rights do not come from government. They come from God, yes. so governments can't take them away. And this is what I see. It, I mean, that, that's exactly, to me, uh, many of the movements we are seeing, whether they call them even Sharia or not, uh, they're, they're domineering like that, they're overbearing like that, they're intolerant like that, and, and it's leading to more persecution. And I honestly believe, according to the Bible, that, that if persecution in our freedoms goes unchecked, it'll lead to prosecution. Yes. A state government taking away your rights, falsely accusing you, you can't defend yourself. Everything Trump's going through is coming to your home. Yeah. It's coming to your business. Uh, if we don't wake up. So even this election is not about Trump, it's about freedom and that our freedoms come from God and that we have to stand for our freedoms. So I'm not talking about being violent. Uh, we're the people of peace. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones crying false peace, peace and sudden destruction is coming upon them. Yeah. Uh, I see even in the next election, if things go a certain way, again, I've got so many other good questions for you, but now I'm just, I want to get your thoughts even on the election um, I had a vision in, in 2016 that Trump would be elected, uh, that God would use him to reveal corruption yeah. and, and that there would be violence in the streets, that I would see violence like I'd never seen in my lifetime.
Yeah. And uh, I went to elders. I was with Andrew at the time when the Lord gave me the vision, huh. and I didn't tell Andrew even. I, huh. I needed to test it, and it came to pass exactly. But boy, what's on the horizon now? Uh, these people, Sharia, that's it's a spirit. That's a spirit. Yeah. Communism is a spirit. It's yeah. evil, and 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 it takes away your rights and imposes evil on the innocent. And that's what I see coming. I'm concerned that we're going to have a clash here pretty soon because there's a point where no one like me that are true Christians and yourself, we, we, we're not violent. We don't, we don't start fights. But there's a point where, you know, you can't come into my house and rape my wife. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect my, well, my wife. Yeah, I mean, God gives to nations and individuals the right to self-defense. And I mean, since COVID, my goodness, with, um, you know, woke activist judges, many of whom were appointed by Barack Obama, homeowners that have defended their property from vandals and intruders have been prosecuted. Yeah, yeah. There is something called the castle doctrine that a man's home is his castle and individuals have the right to self-defense. But, but I want to say this, you are a pastor. I've pastored. I was a youth pastor 11 years and then I've pastored. I've spent a total of 20 years either as church staff or senior pastor. So you and I both know the, um, the line of diplomacy pastors sometimes feel like they have to walk. However, I want to say this to the 500,000 ordained ministers in America, you must use your platform and your position to tell your parishioners about moral, social, political issues. Uh, you and I talked a couple of days ago after, you know, you and I were over at the college teaching. Shortly thereafter, I had a call from a pastor that I was trying to give him some counsel. He, he said, um, I promised myself, this is what he said to me, uh, 25 years ago, I would never from the pulpit speak about political issues. And I said, well, you'd better, or you're going to lose your pulpit one day. Mm -hmm. And I said, I understand. Believe me, I get it. Job one, preach the gospel, convert sinners. I get that. But we're, we're not only light, but we're salt. We're salt and light. Amen. And I want to call on the half million clergy that speak to 63% of adults claim to be born again. Mm -hmm. We must tell our parishioners about how they need to vote. And the good news is, according to George Barna, and I know George Barna, 78% of churchgoers want their clergy to speak about moral, social, what thus Amen. saith the Lord. That's right. Yeah, what, this is interesting, and you, you've ministered to youth half of your ministry life, I believe. Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing about the youth uh, that I discovered, that I would begin to touch on something political, and they would get nervous. And I could tell even in the congregation, it's yeah. the young people that are uncomfortable. And what I discovered in, in loving young people was that when I began to ask them, why are you uncomfortable? What am I saying? Am I, am I not sharing about civil responsibility and duty? And on and on it goes. I found out they were afraid that the church would become the right uh, position like the churches had been hijacked by the left and the pulpit became an organ for the Democratic Party. Mm. And they were nervous that I was leading and leading them into uh, becoming an organ now of the Republican Party. Let me just help the youth of America and the pastors. The pulpit is not to become an organ for any political party. And 
our young people were nervous I was bringing politics into the pulpit, what I had to teach them, and you're going to have to teach your people, is no, I was taking the, the pulpit to our politics. Amen. There's a difference in letting the pulpit become political and taking the Bible back to our politics, because if we don't vote, that is what God has given us as peaceful change. Yeah. It's how we bring about peaceful change and resolution and reforms, not burning buildings down, not marching and calling for the death of cops and on mm. and on we could go. Our young people have to be taught what does God say about that issue so that they can process it and then start to vote for people that aren't going to persecute them for that position, prosecute them for that position, and I believe the Bible's clear that one day they will execute people for that position. Mm. Right now it's just persecution, but it's already evolved into prosecution. And we're seeing more and more things said about Christians and they have to be silenced. I've been canceled uh, and, and, and on and on I can go. And now we have seen Christians making stands for marriage being prosecuted. Don't think it won't turn to execution if God is removed from our country. Well, I'll be back in 90 seconds. And man, if you don't have questions, I'll be shocked. So we'd love to take your phone calls. You can call in with your comments. And man, this is a chance to ask Alex anything. I'll be back in 90 seconds. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, your host today, and I've got a good friend, Alex McFarland, on the show with us today. And man, we're already having a great time together. We want to welcome your phone calls and be able to ask Alex questions. Again, that, that, to me, it's an honor to get to talk to him and to get to ask him questions. The phone number is 719 619 2341. 719 619 2341. All right, let me quickly set this up. We ended the broadcast or, the, or the, uh, uh, that section of the broadcast with just the problems. And, and we could spend weeks on the problems we're facing, but we got to get to the solutions. Uh, and, and I just wanted Alex to speak into, I've heard him talk before about revival. Uh, I talk about a third great awakening that God Amen. showed me. Alex talks a lot about revivals. 
what do you see in revival and what is God doing and what do we need to be praying? I mean, I have a thousand questions for you, but go ahead. Just jump in. Well, you know, one of the great uh, hopes, the blessed hope is the return of Christ. The New Testament talks about the blessed hope. But I really honestly think another one of our great hopes is a move of God. And revival, it's a Bible word, you know, will thou not revive us again? You know, the, the Psalms say, and Isaiah 64 talks about it too. But revival is really four things are at play. Prayer, repentance, evangelistic urgency. And when the church gets revived, there's a renewed commitment to biblical authority. And we need that. And when God moves in his church, invariably there'll be an outflow to the culture. Yep. And, and I just pray, uh, Pastor Dwayne, for the Spirit of God to sweep across our nation like a tidal wave. Amen. I, I pray for the Spirit of God to rule and overrule because one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit not only is to convict and convert and empower, but one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to restrain evil. Yes. And, and again, every Christian and every believer can play a role in this. We can pray. Habakkuk talks about the knowledge of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. We need to pray for that Amen. and desire that and role model that. One of the ways we can start for the Spirit of God to control our nation is to let the Spirit of God to control ourselves. Amen. It starts with us. It does, doesn't it? What would you say? What would you say? I meet people all the time. They're just discouraged. They're yeah. just discouraged, and it just seems too overpowering. What can we do? You know, the election fraud. How can people not see there was election fraud in 2020? And I'm still asked to this day, why do I believe that? Well, I don't know. Can you see the election fraud that's going on right now? Mm. That there is a political party, a news media, uh, that is absolutely trying to imprison a political opponent. If yeah. that's not communism and yeah. uh, fascism, I don't know what is. And in, uh, in fraud, in election, uh, in, uh, election interference. Yes. You, Dwayne, do you believe there was election interference in 2020? I don't know. Do you believe there's an election interference going on right now? Yeah. Uh, one of the main networks would not air Trump's uh, acceptance speech in Iowa. Yeah. Because they claim to be a network of the truth and we're not going to air all those lies. If that's not fascism, I don't know what is, know. as they call Trump a fascist. Yeah. What well, do we do? What are these, what, what can we do individually? Well, I know let we me can say, pray. Yeah. And, and let me encourage Christians. And of course, I'll, I'll give this caveat about fasting. Check with your doctor, make sure that you're healthy enough to do this. But, um, you know, I believe it's Mark 9:26 that says some things happen only by prayer and fasting. And I want to challenge people to fast and pray. Now, we, we know that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But let me tell you, if you fast and pray, you better buckle up because God does things. And, and th this is a tool that the world has no recourse against. And I'm, I'm just going to say in 2016, and there's a lot we could talk about, um, but I, God told me to do a fast, a 40-day fast. And I went to the election back 40 days, and I did. And my wife, who's a nurse, she was like, are you really supposed to do this? I said, yes, God's called me to do this. And we did, and we fasted and prayed 40 days. Now, in 2020, 
I did the math and I started my 40-day fast and I was about halfway through it and I, I knew Trump was going to lose. And Angie said, you know, how are you feeling? And I said, uh, I'm doing my 40-day fast for the election. And it was like the Spirit of God said, don't bother. Now, there are a lot of reasons um, that down in the Carolinas on the North Carolina, South Carolina state line, um, a man had rented a former Lowe's, big thing, and the line, and he was selling Trump uh, posters and such, and vote conservative. The line of cars down I-95 for weeks was more than two miles long. And the guy every day, about every two days, was selling out. I, I was in upstate New York to speak at Houghton College. That's Binghamton, New York. And I drove around. I had a rental car, Pastor Dwayne. And I drove around for four hours one day. I, I saw thousands and thousands and thousands of Trump signs in New York. I did not see one Biden sign. Oh. And here's my point. Look, just by the math, uh, they say 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. That's false. 81 million people didn't vote in 2020. So I just felt like there's a spiritual battle. Now, why? I'm going to tell you what I told a pastor a couple of days ago. Because, look, I know our home is in heaven. America's not heaven. But it is where we live. And for 200 years, the primary driver of the Great Commission in terms of funding, printing, Bible translation, the USA. Missionaries. Yeah, missionaries. This is why Satan hates America. Absolutely. Is because we have been the gas in the tank of this thing called the Great Commission. Amen. And, and yeah, um, this pastor, and I've counseled so many pastors, I've said, look, you can do evangelism anywhere. When you're chained to the cell in a gulag 10 yeah. years from now, yeah. you can look to the fellow prisoner and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. That's right. But if you want to do missions, yes. it takes freedom and prosperity. And go around the world. You've been around the world. Uh, my wife and I have been around the world. Show me wherever in third world countries, developing nations, that there's wells, hospitals, schools, literacy, the betterment of the human condition. It was by Samaritan's Purse, World Help, World Vision, Compassion International. Amen. Christian organization. Right. Absolutely. Um, Pastor Duane, why, when I'm in the interior of Africa, why have I never found a hospital built by American atheists? That's right. You won't. The ACLU, <laughs> people united for the separation of church and state. Yeah. They're not doing anything. The, the body of Christ takes a cup of cold water in his name. Mm -hmm. Because when Amen. we honor a, a fellow human, we're honoring the one whose image they bear. This is so good. And, you know, I know some of you are having a meltdown over a couple <laughs> of comments. And my heart goes out to you because you think we're just all about Trump. Uh, and, and we just, I've even heard people talk about how that the body of Christ in some segments are worshiping Trump. It's like, give me a break. Do you not understand that it wasn't about Trump or Biden? It was about moral and immoral. It was about the kingdom principles versus someone who was totally against them. And so we'll discuss these things in detail as the election comes uh, nigh. But uh, my heart just goes out to you if you've uh, got that hate Trump thing going. Uh, I, I, I got my problems with Trump, yeah. my issues with Trump, but I'm not voting for a pastor. 
I, I, I'm voting to, to save the country from evil and get back to Judeo-Christian principles as best I can. All right, let's take a call from Linda from South Carolina. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for calling. What a blessing. Uh, what is your question today for uh, our brother Alex? Well, I'm a retired high school teacher, and I'm well, for, concerned about our youth. Well, first of all... We do to educate our youth yeah. against socialism. Uh, you need a, a purple heart, uh, uh, first of all. We would love to, to get you a purple heart for, for uh, loving our, our kids like that. Uh, you might need combat, uh, combat uh, compensation. Uh, you are a blessing, I can tell you, and I want to say thank you from the Lord for being there for our children. But that's a great question. Alex, how would you answer that? Well, great question. Thank you. How can we educate our youth about socialism? Um, well, I think in church we need to teach biblical worldview. And, you know, with uh, Andrew Womack Ministries, uh, we did a video series called A Biblical Worldview Response to Socialism. And we have some incredible speakers, and you can find that at the Andrew Womack website. Um, we need to teach on it, and not just youth, but grown-ups. Oh, yeah, I'd like to amend your question a little bit, Linda, and thank you for asking it. We'll, we'll come back with a follow-up here in just a second. Uh, but it's not just the youth. The youth are misinformed because their parents haven't been taught. Yeah. We, we lost a generation before this generation. And so I want to encourage the adults to, to just get basic information. I did a book on counterculture just basically laying out what these terms are. Uh, and, and we need to familiarize ourselves uh, even in an elementary way. Of the, the bottom line is socialism takes us away from dependency upon God to dependency upon the state. Yeah. How much more do you need to really know uh, in order to avoid it? So we do have to teach our children where it takes us. That's what I tried to do in my book. And I know you've written books and you're an author in this area. Um, quickly answer to how socialism takes us away from dependency upon God to dependency upon man, a government that's godless. Yeah. Which doesn't make a bit of sense for a Christian, but yet they'll vote for it. Well, Karl Marx was an atheist. Karl Marx hated Christianity. And so socialism is inherently uh, anti-God. A lot of people don't realize this, Pastor. I wrote a book called um, The Assault on America. It's published by Harrison House Publishers, came out uh, two years ago, and I give God the glory. It was a number one for three days on Amazon. Now, that's not long, but it's for a moment. Hey, um, congratulations. The, well, <laughs> The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. Now, in that book, I document, a lot of people don't realize this, before 1900, socialism had been tried in 80 American cities. Mm -hmm. People don't know that. Uh, like um, the early colonist. Yeah, yeah, uh, William Bradford. Yeah, William Bradford. Go ahead. New Harmony, Indiana, uh, Zion, Illinois, Fayetteville, what is now Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, always 80 times out of 80, it was briefly tried and abandoned. Now, at 
best, the socialist experiments in early America resulted in people angry at each other, family members dividing. In a few cases, there were homicides and murders and riots. Here's the thing. If I flip a coin 80 times and 80 times I get heads, why do I think on the 81st time I'm not going to get heads? Here's one of the ways, I, uh, uh, Linda, to your question, I talked to youth in our summer camps and by the way, we do seven summer camps every year, and the website for my summer biblical worldview camp is equipretreat.org. Equip Retreat will be in Montana, New Jersey, all over America. But I ask kids, I'll say, how many have a summer job? And, you know, half of them will. So what do you do? I cut the grass. I babysit. Wow. Um, how many don't have a summer job? And, you know, 50% will say, well, I don't have a summer job. And I'll say, let's estimate, let's say all of you, 100 kids that do have a summer job, all of your wages, cutting the yard, babysitting, uh, you're going to make $10,000. And, you know, there's 200 people here. So 5,000 of all of your wages, I will forcibly take away and give to the kids who don't have a summer job. Now, is that fair? Well, teenagers are like, just a minute. No, you know, and I'll say, well, that's what socialism is. Yeah. If you want that for the rest of your working life, vote socialist. And I'll say this one child we were in, I think it was Indiana last year. He said, look, my mom said to us, if you, if you clean your room, I'm going to take you out for pizza. So I cleaned my room. My brother didn't clean his room. He didn't get to go out for pizza. I said, here's the deal. Do your chores. There's a reward. Why should the one who didn't do their chores also get the reward? Now, there's a lot we could say, and I understand there are some people, uh, and the church engages in benevolent ministry. Probably your church, I've done it, take a benevolent offering. Mm -hmm. Helping people who legitimately need help, that's different. That's right. And had a, had a, a journalist from Gannett Newspapers who was not a Christian, and he, he, he was pro-church because he said the church in America does $1 trillion a year in benevolent work. Amen. Soup kitchen, homeless shelter, yep. closed closet, mother's morning out. And so the church engaging in voluntary benevolence, and, and we all do that, but for the, the government to forcibly uh, confiscate your earnings to give to people that won't work. It's never worked. And to give to people that will vote for them, to empower them, to take more away from the, the uh, producers, uh, to give to the non-producers. Uh, I, I think that we've answered it at least in general. I'd like to give you a follow-up chance, Linda, if there's something else you want us to clarify on or a comment. Well, I just think it's important not only for teachers to expound on what socialism is, but the youth pastors and the pastors. There are adults that don't really understand it. I went That's to right. Cuba for a week with my church on a missions trip, and I saw firsthand what socialism is all about. And I can tell mm. you, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. Amen. Um, and I, my heart goes out to those people because they had food stamps. I mean, not food stamps, but... Um, ration cards like we had here during yep. World War II. That's and right. they would go to the grocery stores and the shelves were empty. That's right. And my heart just <laughs> bled for these people. Yeah. And um, I just think we need to let 
not only youth, but definitely they're our future. Let the adults also know, because I don't think they've been taught a lot about what socialism is. And we just need to get that word out there the best that we can. And I love that example that you gave, Alex, about um, the kids working in the summer and taking half of their earnings and just giving it to somebody. That's something that they can identify with. Absolutely. I think it comes down to our listening audience now in answering the question. This is no different than any other issue we're facing. Why don't we speak up? Why don't we speak out? We're scared. People are afraid. They're seeking the honor of men versus the Mm. honor that comes from God only. They're afraid of rejection, of persecution, and and yet true persecution for the gospel's sake and for the kingdom's sake is a blessing in our lives, but we haven't been taught how to speak the truth in love, and then when the opposition comes, and it will on any topic on, on culture today, we have to learn to teach our young people that, look, you have to make a stand. Uh, I used every situation raising my four children uh, in school where they felt rejected, they felt disliked, to teach them how to be loyal to Jesus, to stand for what you know to be true, and if it costs you everything after doing all to stand, Having done stand all there for. And once we teach our young people that persecution will come, but don't let it dissuade you, uh, we'll see this thing turned around because it's not that hard. Like you just said, Linda, uh, anytime you give the what socialism, uh, again, communism is, anybody's born again immediately goes, there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, can you, how can you even think of a government without God? Uh, and moral, moral, a moral compass. And so uh, we got to get back to God. Uh, we got a few minutes still. Uh, can, you, can you go back to the revival comments? We, we got off a little bit. And yeah. What you see coming. I know what we can do. You mentioned that. Um, but is there anything else on your heart before I ask another question? Well, you know, there's an old saying I heard one time. I, I don't know who said it originally, but prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle of God. Mm. And Pastor, I believe specific prayers get specific answers. Amen. uh, James 4 verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. And I just would call on the, uh, again, George Barna uh, estimates that maybe 100 to 120 million adults are born again. Um, Look, I've got to believe if we prayed specific prayers we would get specific answers. And we need to say, uh, you know, oh God, restore our land. Oh God, heal our sin, forgive our sin, heal our land, like Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which is a principle. And I know I get emails, they'll say, well, that was written to ancient Israel. It was, but spiritual principles will work for anybody that applies them. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. That's what we do. Now, God says what He'll do. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Okay, I, Lord, I, I, I see the progression. I'll do it. And I want to challenge pastors and churches to have prayer meetings and, you know, I love revival. I've read about the Great Awakenings in the 1748-1760 under Edwards. And, you know, I went to the church there in Connecticut where Jonathan Edwards preached. And he was a 28-year-old clergyman. They said he was uh, 
uh, bad eyesight, and he was not an arresting speaker. And they said that Edwards would, very monotone, kind of boring. But he was convinced that the majority of his parishioners weren't born again. And he would get in a closet and he begged God to save souls. And he came out preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God. He, the, the first great awakening to a large degree was all about preaching regarding hell. Yeah. And they said people would show up before the church doors were open. The second great awakening under people like D.L. Moody and Charles Finney in the mid-19th century was largely about salvation, getting saved. And then there was Azusa Street, you know, in the early 20th century. I happen to believe that the Jesus movement of the late 60s through about the late 70s and I would encourage people, please see that film, Jesus Revolution. Yeah, I've watched it. I, it was awesome. Yeah, that, that, I think that was very accurate for that time period, you know. But it was a, a movement about the Holy Spirit. And we've got to, my goodness, we've got to see Christianity as more than just going to heaven. Amen. Now, going to heaven is wonderful. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. But Christianity is more about... It's also about, I should say, uh, the transformation yes. of the culture, too. That yes. starts with us first in the renewing of our minds. Amen. I, I, I have struggled with the reality of what you just said. I'll say it a little different. Uh, we think the problem is those that are without, and the truth is the problem is with us that are within, that we simply have not turned to the Lord. We're, we've not been loyal and faithful to, to His Word. Uh, I, I know you have to experience this, especially you're in a whole different realm than I'm in as far as the audience. But I am shocked, brothers and sisters, at how many people I can share clear Scripture with. I'm not talking about something that has nuance and some depth and not positive what that is saying, but I'm talking about clear Scripture. And people will look me in the eye and literally say, I don't care what that Bible says. Here's how I feel. Mm. Their children have fallen off the cliff into sexual perversion and, and, and they don't know how to handle it. So they start to reject the Word of God in order to embrace the acceptance of their children. Mm. And there's not a loyalty to Jesus. We are not going to see this turnaround until we, all of us, that 100 to 120 million, can you imagine 120 million people just vote your conscience? Yeah. Vote your conscience. Yeah. We're going to do, uh, I'm going to do it. If Andrew doesn't do it, I'm going to do it. But I'm just going to, I'm going to put up in one of my broadcasts, here's the democratic platform. Here's yeah. what they say they're going to do. Here's what they say they believe. It's not the Republicans saying about them. You can't trust that. And then I'm going to put the Republicans up, and it's not what the Democrats are saying about the Republicans. Here's what the Republicans are saying about the Republicans. Yeah. And when you put it up on a, on a screen, how can you embrace and vote for this? And, and yet Christians do it by the millions. Yeah. We wouldn't be in this, in this, in this fix that yeah. we're in had we just stuck to, and I want to get with uh, Judeo-Christian principles. Okay. Uh, I want you to, to lean into that. We, we need to take this call. Uh, Bryce uh, from, from Colorado, thank you so much, Bryce, uh, for calling. We appreciate you, brother. Uh, what's your question to Alex today? Uh, this is Pastor Dwayne. Uh, what do you conservative pastors running for office like Dusty Devers recently elected to the 
Oklahoma State Legislature. Well, I, I want to jump in. I want Alex to jump in before we run out of time. But out of out of the church, I now am the senior elder. I'm not the senior pastor of the church any longer. Uh, but the church I'm a part of and I'm a senior elder in, uh, we had a state representative elected right out of our church. And I know, I know him. He actually has worked for the ministry and still does work for the ministry. And so I know I have a, a conservative voice in my state legislation. And we saw elected uh, to the House of Representatives uh, a member of, of our church. Just think of every church in America, and, and we didn't even use the pulpit to get them elected. Matter of fact, I wish we could talk about this too. You know, I met with both of them and said, it's not my job to get you elected. It's not my job to take the pulpit and promote any individual and get them elected. It's your job to hear God. It's your job to believe God. And it's my job to preach Judeo-Christian principles. And if you'll, if you'll ex exemplify them, everybody in my church will vote for you. If you don't, we won't. Yeah. A and we got two elected. So I I'm excited about, and I know Alex can answer this. He, he, we'll have to take this up some after the break. But when you look back at the people that represented us mm -hmm. and, and in Washington, these were, were moral uh, uh, compass, moral compass led people. Even the founders, I'd love for you to talk about that. Oh yeah. Uh, they weren't all Christians. You know, somebody, well, all the founders weren't Christians, you know, they'll get in your face over that. And I'll go, well, I'll agree with them quickly. Of course they weren't. But if you read their writings and you know anything about them, Christianity had an impact on them and they had a moral compass. Exactly. And exactly. that was the difference. They may have been whatever you want to call them. And they may have been even some of the Christians falling short like you are and like I am. But they had a moral compass and it yeah. changed the country. Yeah, well, the founders said it is in the best interest of our citizens to select and prefer Christians for their leaders. Now, I realize, look, not everybody that was in the colonial era was born again. Uh, not everybody that is running for office is born again. But here's the thing that's so dangerous. This... Um, non-establishment clause in the First Amendment. Congress will make no law regarding the establishment of religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's been extrapolated to mean no moral boundaries whatsoever. Yeah. Now, uh, somebody's a believer, somebody's not a believer. But what's so dangerous is we're at a point where all moral constraints have been thrown down. And now, instead of electing Christians, people because of the media and because of these doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits that Paul talked to Timothy, a pastor about, they're actually opposing Christians. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see or, or, or talk to E.W. Bishop E.W. Jackson, he will, he will bless you beyond measure. Hey, I'm coming into a 90 second break, but I'll be right back in a moment. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love 
to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I've got a, a friend of mine that I just love dearly, uh, Alex McFarlane. And uh, man, we're just leaning in. Uh, I'd like to again take some of your 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 questions. Um, let's let's go back to Judeo-Christian principles. And again, I've used that phrase my whole life, minister, mm. ministerial life, and even I, you know, was questioned one time, what are they? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we need to know what they are and the, and the power of them sure. for a nation, any nation. Give me your thoughts on Judeo-Christian principles. Well, Judeo is an adjective that means of or from the Jewish people. And Christian means biblical. All right. If you go to the Capitol, the rotunda of the Capitol, yes. around the perimeter of the ceiling is a, a carving. And you'll see a gentleman sitting there with two stone tablets. It's not Charlton Heston. It's <laughs> Moses. Amen. And when we say that we were founded on a Judeo-Christian worldview, first of all, it means that our constitutional precepts and not only that, but the way we run our court system. So our government and our judiciary is based on the Ten Commandments. Right off of the rotunda, there's uh, an auditorium, and the doors, probably about three and a half feet by eight feet, are the Decalogue. Now, deca is a prefix that means ten, the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Pastor Duane, I, I know all over, if you go on a spiritual heritage tour in Washington, you'll see carvings of the Ten Commandments. So when we say a Judeo-Christian worldview, um, first and foremost, and, and this is amazing. I was teaching on it this morning. That's why, folks, come to Karis. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm it with all my heart. Come to Summer Family Bible Conference or come to the Men's Advance, really. Uh, there's so much going on here at Karis or Flashpoint. Um, if you ever come to the campus one time, you'll be sold, I promise you. But I was teaching this morning in Biblical Worldview. Part of the genius of America, uh, there have been many systems of government. There have been uh, monarchies. There have been uh, dictators and peasants. And as Abraham Lincoln said at Gettysburg, um, self-government. You got to understand the, the idea that we could, based on God's revealed principles, govern ourselves. That was a revolutionary. That's absolutely right. So, so here's what happened. The founders like Jefferson and Franklin and James Madison and Benjamin Rush and John Witherspoon and George Washington, Patrick Henry, they realized, oh my goodness, the, the law of God in Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments, uh, don't steal, don't murder, don't lie, don't adulterate, don't bear false witness. 
we know that. That's like written on everybody's heart. That's right. The law of God written on the heart. So how about we craft a government where explicitly and implicitly we're going to build it on the law of God. And as, um, as uh, Benjamin Franklin once said, um, we don't have to be controlled by the police from without. We control ourselves based on God's law from within. That's why, you know, people talk about money. Let me, let me say this is a well-documented fact. Uh, poverty, violence, vandalism, theft, smash and grab. What, what's the answer to that? Well, the liberals will say money, need more money. No, the time in the last hundred years where our nation had the least amount of crime was during the Great Depression. Now, there was rampant poverty, but during the Great Depression, the churches thrived. People went to church, the families were intact, uh, and it's not money that lack of money that causes crime. It's lack of moral restraint. It, this is just so, resonates so in my heart, and how simple it really is. Yeah. And how we've gotten away from it because of all this deception in our culture. Uh, man, you need God. I need God. And, and I need to be restrained from within by the Holy Spirit. We've got to get back to the Holy Spirit. And uh, man, I just love you. Let's take another call and then, uh, and then I want you to jump back in. I want to hear from you as much as I can. Uh, is it Franceline? I hope I'm saying this right. Franceline. Am I saying your name right? Yes, it's me, Franceline. Francelaine, and you're from Colorado. Thank you, Francelaine, for calling. Uh, what is your question, please, for Alex today? Yes, um, this is my first time calling. Um, what can thank you. To, yeah, thank you. What can we say to the end-time Christians who believe, uh, oh, yeah, if this is a Bible prophecy, um, there's oh. nothing we can do. Oh, I love um, you, Francine. You know, everything that's happening, uh, you yeah. know, it's okay because the Bible already says yeah. that America yeah. is under judgment. There's nothing we can do. Well, it's, a, it's an excellent, absolute excellent question. And, and I'm a little nervous how Alex is going to answer this. Uh, we've not talked about it. Uh, but, I mean, I meet people all the time say, well, the, the, these things are prophesied of, all this, all this bad stuff and this happening. So it's God's will. Uh, we just have to be so careful with that. Uh, even if God says the devil's going to do this, then I am going to fight it. I'm going to stand against it. I'm going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So I'm not going to help the devil even fulfill prophecy, if, if you will. So I, I should have probably said my thoughts that mm. quick. But I'll be curious what, Alice, how, would you, how do you answer that? Well, the Lord is coming back. We know that. I mean, that's one of the cornerstones of biblical reality. Jesus is coming back one day, and, and we know that. Time, as we know it, will come to an end one of these days. But only God knows when that is. Now, I have my thoughts, Pastor. I, I think we are likely very near the return of Christ. But I just don't know the day or the hour. My job, my assignment, as I understand it, is to be ready and be faithful. 
you know. First uh, John two twenty eight says, "Abide in Him, that we may have confidence before Him, and not be ashamed at His coming." Amen. And the verb abide means keep on keeping on, Amen. continual uninterrupted action. Um, the the trumpet might sound before we finish this broadcast. <laughs> I don't know. Amen. Uh, but our job, and I, I've had a lot of Christians, they'll say, "Well, you know, brother Alex, let's just hunker down and hope for the best." Yeah, Jesus is coming, absolutely. But until He does, our job is to proclaim the gospel, fight the darkness, stand for truth. Amen. And come on. You know, think about this: the devil um, wanted me to live and die and be eternally lost. I mean, that, that is the worst sort of malice, isn't it? So you, <laughs> can, you can bet uh, as a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God, till the day I leave this world, I am the sworn enemy right. of Satan and darkness. Amen. Am I right? We have to occupy till he comes. We have to fight the good fight of faith. The things that are recorded in the Bible that warn us of negative things to come are simply to give us faith not to quit not to give in, give up, or give out. So fight the good fight. of Amen. All right, let's talk to Ralph from New Jersey. Ralph, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate you calling us. Uh, what is your question for our friend Alex today? Yes, does the uh, church replace Israel? Uh, excellent question. That's a great question. Now, the short answer is no. The church is the church and Israel is Israel. Now, I will say Galatians 6, 16 says, blessed be the Israel of God. All right. We, we Christians are grafted, we Gentiles are grafted in. But uh, I think in Romans, Paul addresses this, that has Israel's unbelief nullified the promises of God? And Paul says, heaven forbid. Um, Israel... Uh, God prophesied would, would come back into their land, would be reborn, a nation would be born in a day, the valley of dry bones would rise up. And one day, I, I do believe in what we call the Abrahamic covenant, that one day uh, Israel would occupy their land in a state of belief. Now, we're not there yet. Israel has occupied their land. And so I, I realize it's kind of complicated that, um, you know, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. Uh, and thus the gospel went to the Gentiles largely, although there have always been born-again Jews and born-again Gentiles. Well, the first century church nearly was, was Jewish. Jews. Yeah. I mean, the first church was Jews, yeah. Messianic Jews. Uh, 3,120 people in one day born. Again, they were all Jews. Uh, just a few days later, 5,000 or 3,000, I can't remember now, uh, 3,000 more or 5,000. It was 3,000 more added to the church. Hmm. And, and it says God added to the church daily, and those were primarily Jews. They, they were. You know, uh, there's a man, you may know him. He's an incredible brother in the Lord, Dr. Michael Brown. Um, he is a born-again Jewish man, brilliant guy, amazing leader, and uh, I got a miracle story to tell you here in a minute. Dr. Brown uh, and his radio show is called The Line of Fire. He's a Messianic born-again Jew, but he says there's probably more born-again Jews today than at any time since the first two centuries. I believe that. This is exciting. It is exciting. Hey, you want to hear a miracle? 
Yeah, always. Right. I love miracles. Yeah, I mean, I mean, tell me this is not the Lord. So a couple of years ago, I just had it on my heart that Dr. Brown needs to meet Andrew. So uh, Andrew and I were talking and I said, hey, if because Dr. Brown lives in Charlotte and he's a dear friend, been to my house. We've ministered together many, many times over the last two decades. And Andrew said, yeah, I'd love to meet Dr. Michael Brown. I called uh, Dr. Brown. I said, hey, do you know Andrew Womack? He said, of course, everybody knows who Andrew is. I said, we well, you know he's, he's a friend and I want to get you guys together. And so we, um, many, many times, I tried to fly him out here and he was in Israel or he was, so it just didn't work. Okay, this is about, about at Thanksgiving. So a couple of months ago, it's a Thursday. And I was just driving and praying. Uh, do you do some real good praying behind the wheel? Oh, that's when I do intercessory prayer. Amen. <laughs> and I, I said, Lord, please help, help Andrew and Dr. Brown get together. They're, they're supposed to know each other. Well, Saturday night, 48 hours later, my phone starts blowing up. And Andrew texted me a picture. And Dr. Brown texted me a picture. They were in Texas at a, a banquet for Christ for the nations. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at this banquet. Guess who got seated side by side? Oh, isn't that good? And God. Dr. Michael Brown, yeah. Andrew Womack. Yeah. And they were like, you know Alex, I know yeah. Alex. And I said, two days prior, I was praying, God get those. Now, what, yeah. what are the odds? Yeah. God answers prayer and does miracles. You know, I, I want to encourage uh, all of our listeners that the supernatural and then answered prayer, it's what, it's what just lights us up. It, ke it keeps that passion burning. It keeps us on fire and never becoming lukewarm. So we not only need to hear more stories like that, we all need to experience answered prayer. Hey, I prayed 15 years, Alex, uh, and didn't see one prayer answered early in my Christian life. 15 years, didn't see one prayer answered. Uh, no one taught me how to pray. Nobody taught me the power of prayer. Nobody taught me the, the, the principles of prayer. And on and on it goes. I have this open vision of the cross. Many of you know about my testimony. And since 1980, I've only had two. I'm talking about prayers for me. I'm not talking about just prayers in general for other things. But prayers for me, I've only had two since 1980 not answered. And the answer may be no. I, the jury's still out. But I'm still hanging on to those two. Hmm. The difference in my life of knowing God is real and He loves you and He hears you. And if you know how to mix faith with your prayers, that's what this ministry is all about in Karis Bible School. It teaches you how to mix faith with your prayers. Don't just pray, but pray in faith. Mix faith with it and then, and then recognize the manifestation. You'll be sitting on a broadcast like us now getting so excited about this God who is real, this God who loves us and is with us. Um, what a blessing. All right, where were we? You were in a story, and I think uh, I interrupted. It, uh, well, you're talking about has the church replaced Israel? Yes. Um, so as I understand the scriptures, Old and New Testaments, uh, sir, no, Israel is Israel and the church is the church. And we are right now, this period of history, since Pentecost, but it's not yet the return of Christ yet. Um, it's called the church age very often. And Jesus said, uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. Now, 
I want to say this about politics. The best favor any president could ever do the American people is to be a friend of the nation of Israel. Because in Genesis 12, God told Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. That's why while, look, we, we love the church, but true born-again believers love the Jewish people. And I want to tell you, uh, if you, you want to get sideways with God, you betray Israel. Let me say, they are the apple of God's eye. God is not done with the Jewish people. And one day Israel will occupy that land in a state of belief. We need to care about Israel. We need Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And you remember um, in Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentile. We need to pray for the salvation of the precious Jewish people that they would know their Messiah. Amen. That's so good. Uh, this is a great question that came in that goes back. I, I, I'd like to have you, have you again. Uh, Perhaps sure. tomorrow we can pick this up because, I mean, I've got into two of my 20 questions. Okay, I'm uh, sorry. I talk too much. So No, you're here <laughs> to talk. Uh, but I don't know how to answer this one. And that, uh, that really makes a host very, uh, very uh, thankful and a guest very profitable. <laughs> how we'll can see. Islam and Marxism work together? I'm not Interestingly, sure. Interestingly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that they can. You, you know what's so dangerous is that um, opposite ideologies sometimes collaborate if they find themselves useful to each other. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I was on an airplane going from Charlotte to Los Angeles, and I got bumped up. And the lady I sat beside was with CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. And we were talking, and um, she was explaining to me how they, they're political lobbyists for, um, they want Sharia, uh, or at least Muslim um, principles taught in schools. Now, this is, you know, kind of dangerous. Um, as, and as a Christian American, I'm not saying that I want anybody's rights um, taken away. I don't. But we don't want anybody else's rights amplified. And one of the big things was uh, the minarets. Now, if you go to Newark, New Jersey, that's a place where the Muslims have made it where in the downtown of Newark, New Jersey, unless this, this has changed. I was there just a couple of years ago. I heard it with my own ears. Um, there's the Muslim call to prayer five times a day. You'll be walking down downtown Newark and this, you know, ungodly noise blares <laughs> out. Um, well, let me just say this, that th that's just a, kind of a small thing, but they, they want that in cities all over America. And I'm like, no, you know, no, we don't have to give extra accommodation. If you want to be a Muslim, you can do that. But here's what we as Christians and citizens, we, let, let me phrase it this way, because I've had atheists say, well, you're a Christian conservative, right? So what about atheists? What about Muslims? What about gays? All right. If you want to be gay, atheist, or Muslim, you can do that. Um, I mean, I'm 
concerned and I'm sorry for you, but what we can't let you do is tear down the foundation that gives you the freedom to safely, prosperously walk around as a non-Christian, non-heterosexual. I'm not interrupting. I need you to elaborate on that. Yeah. This is the point I think the average Christian misses. Can you say that again? I don't, I'm sorry I interrupted. No, that's fine. But that's why I'm here too. Yeah. Let's be clear. Elaborate on that. Say it again. The, the, the level playing field that gives equality, safety, stability, prosperity to all people is a Judeo-Christian worldview. Uh, now, I'm not talking about salvation yet. Right. Jesus in John 3.16, that's another step. But what we have in America, or at least what we did have, was uh, equal rights and equal protection, not special rights. And I'm going to throw out a word here, folks. I hope it's the word. Uh, please be the word. Go ahead. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll I bet. Dance. Go ahead. What's the word? Penumbra. Ah, uh, no. No. Okay. I was looking for it. Go ahead. The word penumbra is a group of something. Like, you know, there, there are a penumbra of objects on this table. Now, this is a little bit of legal terminology. But when Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and when in the First Amendment the, the founders talk about natural rights, the, what are the, the natural rights that all people have? You have the right to life. That's why abortion is unconstitutional. You have the right to liberty, but not unlimited liberty. See, my liberty ends where your liberty begins. That's right. You cannot override my liberty in so-called your liberty. Yeah. Go ahead. And I know we're throwing out a lot of big words here. Um, the, the Constitution guarantees limited liberty, but not militant autonomy. See, college kids and many professors, they're like, I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. Now, you're free to work, get a job, make money. Maybe your, your parents did one career. Well, you can do something else if that's your choice. But you do not have the right to unlimited autonomy, meaning I, I, I don't answer to anybody. Now, so back to is Islam and Marxism uh, compatible. They're, they're actually not but they have linked arms a little bit to try to push Christianity to the side. And that's dangerous. That's how they, they coexist together. And yeah. that's their common goal is a common enemy. They're useful and, to each other. And once that enemy, though, is defeated, they'll, they'll defeat one or the other. Yeah. Uh, and and let, let me just say, all of the, the liberals that are standing for Hamas and against Israel, I can promise you, and, and I can cite a dozen books. The minute that the, the, the mullahs and the imams take over, AOC and The View and all the diversity liberals, they will behead you. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, I think within uh, so, uh, communism and uh, Joseph Stalin, and I don't know who's attributed to this quote, but they talked about, in order to advance their agenda, useful idiots. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I hate to use that term because I, I don't want to be derogatory and call you an idiot. Right. But their point was they used people to promote their agenda. And once their agenda was achieved, they killed the people yeah. that helped them promote their agenda. That is evil. That's what evil is. It's, I think we have a generation, Brother Alex, 
that they really think evil's not that bad. These people, uh, I call them evil. Well, they're not bad. No, evil is bad. Well, uh, let, me, let me throw something out here. And, and I, I just want to thank you, brother, for letting me be on and uh, allocating time enough to drill down into some deep issues. On the 150th anniversary of the U.S. Constitution, a Democrat senator from New York, he was a Jewish Democrat named Saul Bloom, S-O-L, um, he wrote a book called The History of the Constitution. Now, the late Antonin Scalia, that was a SCOTUS justice, he, he said it was the classic in constitutional studies. Now, even to this day, this book, it's a great book. And this is at a time when the Democrat Party was a very different party. But Saul Bloom, this was in the 1930s on the 150th anniversary, wrote The History of Our Constitution. And it's a great book. If you want to understand it, it's still available. Even Antonin Scalia, one of the best justices of our lifetime, uh, they use it at the law schools around the country. So somebody asked, Democrat, Jew, Saul Bloom, could an atheist ever be president? And he said, no, for two reasons. He said, first of all, to be president, you have to swear the oath of office to a higher power. And an, an atheist doesn't believe in a higher power. So the atheist cannot in good faith say, so help me God. But the other thing he said, and again, a Jewish Democrat, he said, our government was based on biblical principles, the Judeo-Christian worldview, which an atheist does not embrace. So therefore, the president must at least believe in God and the Bible, if not overtly be a Christian. Now, that's not you or I or yeah. Franklin Grant. That's a Democrat Jew from 90 years ago. Now, here's the thing. Again, if, if you want to be an atheist, go for it. I mean, I'm sorry you're going to lose your soul. If you want to be atheist, Muslim, gay, LGBT, whatever. But if you want... What we've had, which is stability, prosperity, and liberty. If you want those, you have to tolerate what gave us those and what gave us unbridled liberty, prosperity, stability. Amen. Was this right here? That's right. Amen. Now, if, if you want what we've had, you have to tolerate the vehicle that gave us freedom and prosperity and it was oh, God's man. word. I'm running out of time. You got to enter this though. I can't even wait till tomorrow. I can't wait till tomorrow. Well, but people will come, Alex, and they'll say, "Yeah, but this country is just racist and and bigotry, full of bigotry and hate, and and uh, it needs to be torn down." There are people mm. that really believe. We have to tear this thing down. We have to burn it to the ground and then start over. And what amazes me is start over with what? What, what are we going to replace it with? Right. What would you say? We only got four minutes, but how do you deal? How do you deal with that? I'm not asking mm. in general, how do we? I know how I do, mm. but I want to learn something. How do you deal with people that hate this country, have no concept of the freedom they have because they have no, no real concept of history and where we're going if we don't 
preserve Judeo-Christian principles? Well, you know, in the original copy of the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson's original copy had two paragraphs. One that said slavery, there will be no slavery in the USA. And the other that we're being constituted as a Christian nation. Now, if you go to the International Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro, North Carolina, I had a University of Pennsylvania history professor show me the original. And you say, well, what happened to those two paragraphs? Georgia and South Carolina wouldn't sign on. And the founders knew if we hoped to fight the world's biggest army and navy, Great Britain, we had to have a unified front. So let me say, folks, uh, before you're too hasty in throwing America under the bus, originally there was this proviso to eliminate slavery. And would to God that on day one slavery was eradicated. Amen. But it happened about 70 years later. But guess, guess what drove the abolitionist movement? Christians. That's right. Um, William Wilberforce in Britain eradicated slavery because of his Christianity. Here in the United States of America, Cotton Mather and the, the founders that were James Madison and even Thomas Jefferson as president, his first act was to say, we will not have treaties with any slave trading nations. So I will grant you, it took a few decades, but because of Christianity, it got done. But government can't police the human heart. Now, the great boundaries and parameters for an equal nation was put in place. But you know what? I'll tell you this. I know we're out of time almost. Winston Churchill, he constantly referred to the West as Christendom. And somebody asked him, what do you think about this, you know, representative republic? And he said, well, a Christian democracy might be the worst form of government except all the others that have ever been tried. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. So, so cool. um, let's, so cool. let's not deconstruct yeah. America. Let's preserve and oh, restore it. Yeah. What a, this is so beautiful that uh, brothers and sisters, uh, I don't have a friend, this one included, that doesn't acknowledge the evil of slavery. Yeah. But it took a civil war, unfortunately, to eradicate it. We could have eradicated it politically like Great Britain did. Hmm. They didn't have a civil war to end it. We could have, but we didn't have the political will and we didn't have enough Christians standing up. What's the difference in abortion today and slavery a few hundred years ago? Who's, who's driving the pro-life, the value of human life agenda? Christians are driving it. Who made a difference in our culture? And one of the few things I've seen positive that I didn't think I would see in my lifetime was uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. That gave me such hope that while evil is in our world and when good men say nothing and do nothing, evil men prevail, we are seeing good men raised up like Brother Alex and Brother Andrew and on and on we could go and we're seeing things turn. And I believe there's hope for our country because of you. I believe there's a new day coming because of you the Christian, the believers, the ones that are willing to repent, the ones that are willing to change their mind and align it unto God's thoughts and His Word. And I'm telling you, He is definitely pro-life. He's pro-liberty. He is the source of all my freedoms. I love you. Thank you for being a part of Truth and Liberty. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. 
Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.